Hello, how's everybody doing? Um, I can never tell if this thing's picked up right away, so I'm going to just kind of slow roll a vamp here real quick, making sure that everything's kicking off. Uh, it's been another week, a little less than I suppose. We did record on Sunday last week. I'd like to uh, welcome you all to another episode of Field Goals to Fanboys. I'm your host, Vince, coming to you live from Western Harnett County, North Carolina. Um, the shutdown continues. Except that it doesn't, depending on how you feel as an individual and uh, where it is that you live. I know that Texas has gotten back on track here pretty quick. Um, I only bring it up because uh, COVID does play into everything these days. Um, I suppose there's no reason in slow rolling into this. I don't really have anybody to, to do the politeness with. I'm still getting used to being a solo act, so hopefully... Uh, Hopefully I can pull that together here in the near future and, and get that a little bit better. Um, for those of you that joined us last week, um, I know that uh, I felt a little low energy, so I'm going to try and be a little bit more ener energetic this week, a little bit more more in everything. Again, when you're by yourself, it's a little hard to get ramped up, although I have been known to scream at people for, for almost no reason. Um, so there is that. We've got uh, got spitter in hand, drink on the table. Probably try uh, time to kick it off. The the first thing we're going to talk about tonight, it's uh, it is more of a personal family thing for me, um, and it is pretty COVID specific and has almost nothing to do with pop culture or sports. But uh, it is in the news cycle. It is in the zeitgeist. So I'm going to talk about it anyway. Um, my older sister. Uh, who goes by the, the moniker Eliza Blue. Um, this very day had an article published in the New York Times. Um, I don't know if we've talked about it previously on the on the older version of the show. I suppose, I suppose it doesn't matter because you can't go back and look at the, the back episodes at this point. So we'll just go ahead and assume that you, you don't know. Uh, my older sister and her husband have a ranch out in South Dakota. Um, they have the what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, the dubious distinction of being further from a McDonald's than any other town in the contiguous United States. Of course, she doesn't live in town. Um, I go to the ranch from time to time. I spend time there and, uh, you can't see town from, from the house there. Um, it's a couple miles up the road in the grand scheme of things. She's closer to town than a lot of her friends are, um, in the, in the other ranches in the area. But, um, at any rate, her and her husband have an independent uh, independent ranch, and in, uh, in addition to a couple other jobs that they do there, um, she's got another job in addition to to kind of running the the homestead there and, and raising the kids, and then her husband has two other jobs in addition to the in running the ranch itself. Um, but at any rate, as we all kind of sit and listen to the the breakdown of the food supply chain um, as the meat packing plants kind of come off the rails. If you're interested, I highly recommend looking up it, looking it up. I have it on the Facebook page there. I put it on my Twitter. Um, and it's just kind of, you know, we, we see a lot of the, oh, this is what's happening at the meatpacking plants. We see a lot of the, this is what's happening at your grocery store. But if you're curious what's happening at the far other end of the food chain from where you sit, out on the ranch, out on the farm, um, out on the prairie, uh, take a look, read the article, you know, find out what it is that they're doing out there at the other end of the supply chain as you, as you, you know, sit and look at the empty shelves on your end. 
Um, she's also got a book coming out, uh, The Accidental Rancher, um, that I think is available for pre-order if it hasn't officially been released yet. Um, she's also on South Dakota Public Radio, um, does Postcards from the Prairie, which is uh, like a couple of minutes a month where she just kind of does a check-in from, from how things are going out. And, of course, um, she performs under the name Eliza Blue, does a, a very kind of coal miner's daughter, uh, bluegrassy sound all over the Dakotas and, and Minnesota and a little bit down into Iowa. Um, which is all just to say, you know, if any of those things kind of light your boards, um, check it out. But uh, for the most part, like I said, you know, she had the article come out in the New York Times. I know it was a huge deal for her. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, kind of expands my universe into another thing. Oh yeah, I know, I know a contributor to the New York Times, which, uh, you know, what I have is that uh, she's got a brother that does a crappy podcast about sports and nerd shit that um, probably has three listeners. So she reached like 3 million people this weekend and I reached uh, three of you, um, probably almost all on tape delay. But uh, I wanted to kind of give her a bump there. I wanted to, you know, put that out into the world. If it's something that interests you, if it's something you got questions about, uh, check it out. Give it a look. Tell me what you think. But um, I'm sure you guys really didn't tune in to hear about that. So I appreciate you giving me the first five minutes of the show to talk about about my personal stuff. And we're going to jump into sports. Um, I know last week I said we we're going to draw out the draft. And um, I did read a whole bunch of stuff where everybody tried to talk them into the the, the love uh, Jordan Love and Green Bay being a good idea, and it's not. Um, but that's okay. I think you're looking at another like almost New England situation where the guy's gonna sit behind him for a few years and then go somewhere else. Um, I could be wrong. It's been known to happen, but uh, we'll see. Um, that said. Uh, the big news, as I've seen it this week, um, as I dig under my frozen hot dogs here to get out a cold beer, um, is, is we're looking at sports coming back now. Um, as you're going to notice on the show, I don't talk much about basketball, specifically the NBA. Um, so I really don't have a whole lot of information on that, and I don't have a lot to say about it because I don't care. Um... But uh, the first the first sport out the gate that's it's really worth talking about is the NHL. Um, are they going to come back? How are they going to come back? I think they're coming back. Um, I think it's hard to see a, a version of events where they don't come back. A month ago, I'd have said it was a pipe dream. There's no way it's happening. You know, there's too much going on. Um, but. Uh, I don't know. Like everybody seems pretty certain about this now. Granted, we're still at least a month, month and a half away from that happening, um, because it'll be at least two weeks before I think any of the guys can get to a facility and start start really skating again and getting warming up as a team. Which means you're really looking at a June first start date. Um, and then you got you know what are we going to do two months after that? So June and July do the cup. I don't know. Um, I do know that they're they're saying they're pushing the draft forward to the beginning of June, which you know, teams that have are, are you know have teams that are in the playoffs. That's going to be a real rough week for them. Maybe the idea is to get the draft done, and they're going to jump over to uh, 
you know, start second, you know, second or third week of June, get the draft done and then put the boys back on the ice. Um, you know, they're talking about adding teams now. They're talking about top six teams in each each division, which as long as you're not a a Blackhawks or a Rangers fan is a really good idea because, you know, the Sabres and the Ducks get in in this scenario and neither of those are good teams. But um, what are you going to do, right? It is what it is. Um, however they come back, it's not going to be good. I shouldn't say it's not going to be good. It's not going to be fair. It's not going to be what it is that somebody wants. It's going to be imperfect. Um, at this point, I'm kind of just want to watch somebody play a sport. Um, any sport I have on YouTube been watching competitive, like parkour tag. Sure. You know, like I will pretty much watch anything at this point. I think there's a women's flag football highlight from ESPN waiting for me on my phone. When I get done with the podcast here, I really, I want to watch people compete at anything about anything, doing anything. Sweet Jesus. Just somebody play a sport. Um, I really, I need somebody to, I need to watch a sport, right? Um, that being said, now Gary Bettman is talking about like a midwinter start for the NHL. Is that just going to be the season now? Is it going to be truncated for next year? Um, you know, like baseball's talking about a hundred game season. I would argue it always should have been a hundred game season. I think one of the things about baseball um, similar to hockey is just like, you know, they're, they're 103 games in. You're like, Oh my God, they're not even close to the end. We've got months left of this. Um, it's the same thing with hockey. Like I get to the last month of the hockey season. I, I adore hockey, but like, man, that last like 12 games, like 70 to 82, you're just like, just get to the end. <laughs> you know, I'm ready for the post to start. So a hundred game season of baseball. I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. Not going to be great for gate revenue. Not going to be great for television, losing that many games, but, um, you know, you got to do something. Um, we're going to see how players feel about being sequestered from their families for at least part of the season. Um, neutral site games, empty stadiums. It's going to feel different. Um, one thing they've talked about with the Stanley Cup playoffs is are you going to see that extra that extra level that you always used to see in the Stanley Cup playoffs? I don't know. You know, like it's just you, you got to feel like the teams on a certain level have to feed off of the fans a little bit and to just be playing like going to a hotel and then pretty much scrimmaging, um, having not played for months. I think it's going to be real interesting out the gate. Um, there's a part of me that says maybe walking away would have been the best thing to do. But when it comes down to revenue, you've got the, uh, you've got all the issues with, um, escrow and how that functions and that's going to hurt player profit. Uh, you know, they're going to have to give back more money this season. Um, unlike the NBA, MLB, NFL, the NHL is still very much a gate gate league. It's about, you know, putting butts in seats and, um, you know, losing what they lost from the regular season, it's going to hurt escrow. It's going to hurt the salary cap next year. And, I mean, the way the salary cap has always been is it kind of goes off of what it is that the league makes. Um, and, like, you can't, you know, like, there's even been talk about, like, oh, man, the cap could go down next year, and I don't see how that could happen. Um, like, that would be a disaster. You've got so many teams that are right up against the cap that would just have to wholesale cut people. Um 
it just it, it seems problematic. So I think you're going to see a flat cap for next year. But there are teams that made deals assuming the cap was going to go up. Um, and now it's going to be hard for them to retain their younger talent. It's just, it's, I don't know, it's a giant mess. You know, what do you do? NFL is looking at similar problems, you know, like uh, they're talking about maybe starting their season later by a couple of weeks, uh, cut the Pro Bowl week. You know, they still want the Super Bowl to be in February, so I think you're looking at the 28th as the last Sunday they can go. I guess nothing says they have to play on a Sunday. Maybe they play on a Saturday this year. I don't know what, what the answers are there. Um, maybe they play on a Monday. There's there's choices there, I suppose. But, um, you know, what does the NFL look like with, with empty stadiums? You know, like, how does, how does that feel? Um, I know that the NCAA is talking about pushing their fall sports, particularly football, to the spring um, to make sure that they, they can put fans in the stands. Um, if they play without fans, is, is that the death of, um, of, of your mid-majors? You know, like, how long can Utah State maintain a football program without gate revenue? You know, um, how long can, you know, Western Michigan maintain a football program without gate revenue? You know, you got to figure most of your power five teams will be all right. Um, you know, not only do they, not only do they have like the football money, but the basketball team makes some cash too. Like there's some other sports that generate income, not at the level that football does, but, uh, they can probably weather the storm. But, uh, what does this do for your little schools? And I feel like little schools were already looking at having a lot more trouble with, um, with being competitive as it was with the announcement that, uh, it sounds like. NCAA athletes are going to be able to accept endorsements um, as long as it's not affiliated with the school, you know, from your, uh, sorry, um, someone just threw something at me, popped up on my screen, but, uh, you know, like University of Michigan has huge ties with Nike and you got to figure that's going to help their recruiting, you know. Alabama is a is a signature name. Endorsing an athlete that plays for Alabama is, you know, sponsors aren't dumb. Um, you know, schools that are already immensely popular that where you can't go twelve feet in any state. Like, I don't, I can't think of the last time I was somewhere and didn't see at least one Alabama sticker. You know, there aren't many places you can go where you don't see an Ohio State sweatshirt. Um, you know, Clemson pretty popular in this part of the country. You know, NC State, you know, will draw a little bit. They don't really get the national game covered. I mean, think about the teams that you see when you turn on the TV on Saturdays. And those, you know, like, you can almost always find a Michigan game on television. You can almost always find an Alabama or an LSU game on television on a major network. ABC, ESPN, you know, Fox, whatever. Um, you don't see a lot of Chippewa games. You know, you don't see a lot of you know, Utah state games, unless they're getting scrimmaged, you know, like in a, in a first week game against a bigger school. So, I mean, there's a lot, a lot to be said there, like moving into this, um, that, uh, man, you know, it, uh, it makes you wonder about what, what the NCAA is going to look like in a few years, you know? Um, I don't know. There's just so much going on right now. It just kind of makes the head spin. You know what I mean? Like, and I guess all of life's going to change a little bit. I guess everything's going to be different than it used to be. 
but uh, there were certain things that always felt like was a permanent part of life. And um, even those things are going to be different now. And, and that's, that's kind of crazy to think about. And especially when you kind of factor in that it may not be over yet. I mean, we may get four or five weeks of the NFL and have a second wave hit and bang, now the NFL is in the same boat that the NBA and the NHL are in right now. Um, and that too is maybe why the NF, the NHL is looking at, uh, at splitting their season around the fall, you know, get the games done by August, award a Stanley cup and then wait until December to kick back in. Um, you know, an interesting thought I heard the other day was, uh, you know, the NHL started selling team face masks that you could wear with the, uh, you, you know, your chosen team's logo on it. And on, on the one hand, you know, the NFL, the NHL is a company like anybody else. You know, people are about to buy a lot of things for for no reason um, or not for no reason. But, uh, you know, like that wasn't previously a thing and you can throw a logo on it. They're going to sell it. You know, you can go to the NHL store and there's not a whole lot of things that a person might want to buy that you can't get with your favorite NHL team on it. So masks were kind of the next step, but it's also possibly, you know, part of conditioning fans to get ready when you come back. You're like, hey, we're going to start games in December, but to be in the arena, got to wear a face mask. But it's okay because you can buy a Carolina Hurricanes face mask or you can get a Florida Panthers face mask or you can have the giant Dallas star right there in the middle of your grill. And, you know, like one more way to, to, to show team pride when you're at the game there because you got to wear a mask anyway. Um, and it's all kind of, you know, man, like what's the world going to look like in three months? And how sad is it that the thing I'm worried most about is sports? Although, you know, kind of moving into the next, the next topic there, I, I'm also kind of worried about what's on TV, you know, um, you can only make so much content when nobody can be around anybody else. Um, the wife and I did enjoy, God, was it today? Days are running together. I don't know how it's going for you, but my ability to track what day I did what is, I think it was yesterday. Um, but Parks and Recreation did kind of like a one-off COVID episode. And um, the whole thing was essentially done over Zoom. And it was, it was really interesting. It was, you know, the way they pulled it all together and kind of made it work and relevant. And uh, the premise of the show made it a lot more possible than, say, like, um, you know, American mom or, uh, like American gods wouldn't so much work in that kind of a format. You definitely couldn't do, you know, a game of Thrones type show that way, um, or a superstore, but you know, it, it shows that we really like, like, um, supernatural, which I think I touched on it last week. I'm seven seasons from the end. So I've well six seasons. I'm almost done with eight now, but, uh, you know, I've got six more seasons to go before I get to the end of the show, but they haven't done the last two episodes yet. Are we ever going to get the last two episodes? Are they just going to write it off? Will they do like a movie and mash the last two episodes together and just do like a POD? Um, you know, or will we get a 16th season of Supernatural because like, well, shit, we got to put all this stuff back together anyway and bring everybody in. Let's just do one more year. I don't know. Um, but the content that we've gotten used to, like all those shows that you've really enjoyed, man, if it's not already in the can, it's going to be tight. Um, which kind of brings me to the, the last part of the show here where, um, what I've watched this week while well, I've been in quarantine, right? Um, well, 
pseudo quarantine. I go to the office sometimes. I stay home other days and, and work remotely. It just kind of depends on what it is that we have going on at work there. You know, sometimes they need me to be there in person. Sometimes I can do it like I'm talking to you guys right now, face to face over the video. You know, sometimes I can just do it all telephonically. It just, it depends on what the project of the day is and, and what it, what it's going to take to get it done. So, um, as I spend more and more time back at the office, um, as we start to kind of transition back into that stuff, um, probably have less time to watch TV, but, uh, I feel like I got a decent amount in this week. In addition to the regular television additional television shows and whatnot that I watched, um, I was able to pump in a couple of movies, uh, a miniseries, and uh, half a season of Supernatural. So, um, the first thing that I watched, like I said last week, uh, I did um, Extraction, which was a Netflix original. Um, so I went back kind of into the Netflix, uh, you know, category here and, uh, you know, did another Netflix original film with a, with a pretty high end cast and, um, watched Triple Frontier, which I'd heard mixed reviews about, you know, the, the IMDB medicine, uh, the IMDB synopsis of it is uh, loyalties are tested when five friends and former special forces operatives reunite to take down a South American drug lord, unleashing a chain of unintended consequences, um, which pretty much sums it up. It's uh, slowly starting to taper off popularity wise. It's got a meta score of 61. Um, it had a really good cast. I thought like, you know, they had to put a lot of high names into it. Um, you got Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnaman, or Hunnam, uh, Garrett Hedlund, who is probably the least famous of the major five, um, and then Pedro Pascal, who's of course, you know, most popular role right now is is as the Mandalorian, but also spent time on on Game of Thrones, and is kind of coming more to the forefront there. Um, I thought it was really well shot. I thought it was pretty well written. Um, see, and I'm just I'm doing it again. I'm just not getting excited about this movie as excited as I was. I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, it's, you know, it got 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb out of like 90, 96,000 ratings. Um, I think that's a little low. It's an action film that does kind of get into, you know, the cost of, 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 of doing business, the cost of that kind of a life and the, and the toll it takes on a person. Um, and I thought they, they did a pretty good representation of the characters, kind of what happens to these guys when they end up leaving, leaving the service and, um, you know, kind of the bond that's always there anyway, as they, as they work their way through this, these issues. Again, not the best movie I've ever seen, but it, it was good. You know, you've got some time on your hands right now because we all do, right? Um, geez, you got, you found time to listen to this. And if you found time to listen to this, geez, um, you definitely have some time on your hands, but, uh, Triple Frontier, you know, I definitely enjoyed it more than, uh, the Mark Wahlberg movie I watched last week. Um, Spencer Confidential. Um, this is light years ahead of that. So if that's the bar, wasn't quite as good as Extraction, but I think uh, I think for Netflix original, as they kind of try and find content that they can put out to keep up with everybody else, as they're losing more and more shows, um, it's definitely worth the watch. 
The next one I watched was uh, Kickboxer Vengeance, um, which is a reboot of the 1989 Van Damme film. Um, it's got David Bautista, kind of plays the aggressor. Uh, Alan Moussey, Mousy, uh plays the, the main protagonist. Um, he does okay. The writing wasn't great for this. Um, it really was a remake of the original with, uh, with, with better cameras, right? So, you know, if you like the original, sure, watch it. Although, I'll be honest, I spent most of it like, man, I, I should have just watched Kickboxer again. Um, Dave Bautista is fine in his role. Um, George St. Perry, George's St. Pierre kind of cameos in it. Um, does a fine job. And uh, Gina Serrano, uh, or Carano, I don't know how she pronounces that, but um, who's also in Deadpool and um, The Mandalorian. Um, it's kind of her, one of her first on-screen roles. She did a really good job, too. You know, she kind of, like, she doesn't beat the shit out of anybody, which is a little surprising because that's what they have her doing everything else. But, um, you know, she, she put together a pretty good shot there. If you if you enjoy the old, like, Van Damme era film, and uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme does make an appearance as kind of the, the mentor, the trainer. So he's in it. Um and as, as good as Jean-Claude Van Damme is in anything else, right? Um, you know, it's if you enjoy those old martial arts movies that are kind of short on plot and big on guys beating the living shit out of each other with some decent martial arts movies, or I'm sorry, martial arts moves, you know, again, you got some time on your hands, give her a look, see what's going on there. Um, On a, a more serious but still action-driven note, uh, the next movie I watched, uh, this or the, the last movie movie I watched this week was, um, let me see if this was a Netflix or original or not. I don't think it was, but we'll double-check that to be sure. But Hell or High Water, um, which is a divorced father and, ex -con and his ex-con older brother resort to a desperate scheme in order to save their family's ranch in West Texas which is essentially them robbing banks that uh, kind of it, it, it's as much a social commentary as it is in anything else. It's, you know, they, they're about to lose their farm, their ranch that, um, you know, their mother got sick. She owned the ranch. You know, she put a reverse mortgage on it. They kind of, you know, set it up on back taxes and this, that, and the other, so that they're going to take the house essentially for, take the whole ranch for about $25,000, you know? And um, so what they do is they start robbing the banks that are holding the loan note and uh, in order to get the money together to pay it back, it's got a, a score of 7.6. I think that's low. I think it deserves to be an 8. The, uh, the old about-to-retire Texas Ranger um, in the vein of Tommy Lee Jones is you know, chasing, you know, chasing after him. It's, a, it's kind of a good heist film. Um, I think it, it has a lot to say about you know, getting back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Um, you know, how, you know, as great as the economy is right now, or at least allegedly was, um, you know, things are going great for corporate America, but rural America, things aren't going so great. And and people are losing everything. And I don't know, like I said, Chris Pine, Ben Foster, Jeff Bridges did a really good job with it. I think it was well shot, well directed. 
it was a movie I felt like you can enjoy it on a couple of different levels, you know, from the kind of action story of two brothers, you know, being chased by the by the cop to more of the commentary on on how, you know, things are in America right now socioeconomically and what's going on there. Um it's a really good watch. It's probably the best film I watched this week of the three. I I highly recommend it. It was it was highly enjoyable. Um a little draining. You know, there's some cameos in there. Katie Mixon, you know, who's American housewife, you know, plays a plays a waitress that you see maybe for five minutes on camera, but it's a really memorable performance. She does a great job with it. It uh, was originally released in 2016. So I'm four years late on this, but uh, if you only watch one of the three movies I talked about this week, then this is definitely the one that uh, that is worth taking a look at. And I think is really the the best one of the week. Um, and then, like I said, I watched a miniseries, um, Waco, which originally came out on the Paramount Network. Um, you know, in 2018, I believe. Um, you know, the lead actors being Michael Shannon and Taylor Kitsch, I'm guessing. I'm so bad at pronouncing names. Um, but, uh, Rory Culkin also shows up in it. Um, Melissa Benoit, who is now, you know, Supergirl. Um, Cameron Mannheim, who was big on the practice back in the day and, uh, now is doing Stumptown, which is a pretty good new TV show. Hopefully it gets through, through the COVID of it all. Um, you know, obviously it's about the the disaster at Waco, um, back in 1993, where the, the ATF and then the FBI laid siege to a, a small cult, um, in Waco, Texas that resulted in, in a lot of deaths in a fire. And, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of things surrounding that particular event that, uh, people don't agree on it. And I don't mean don't agree on it. Like the Kennedy assassination. I mean, there's a lot of things in the official report that maybe, you know, was was a little bit more aimed at saving, you know, saving face for the federal government than than necessarily finding the truth. Um, the uh, I did a little bit of I don't want to say research because it wasn't quite that organized, but I did I did burn through, you know, a dozen, 15 articles um, that kind of talked about how how accurate it was. Um, Michael Shannon plays uh, um, Gary Nosner, who was uh, one of the FBI negotiators who in real life was there for the first 25 days before, before they sent him home. Um, but in the, in the film is portrayed or the miniseries is portrayed to be there much longer before he's sent home. Um, and then Rory Culkin plays David Thibodeau, who was one of the members of the branch Davidians um, both of them wrote books afterwards. Um, those books are widely regarded to be as accurate as a memoir is, you know, just because everything's seen through your own lens. Um, Gary Nosner specifically was, uh, was very vocal in the FBI in talking about how, um, he wasn't happy with the militarization of, of law enforcement. 
Um, and there's a point in the in the film where one of the local radio hosts talks about, you know, there's a difference between law enforcement and military, military actions. And law enforcement is supposed to uphold the law and enforce the law and be a preventative agency. And military actions are designed to be aggressive and force somebody into into what it is that you want them to do. Um, you know, like create results through force and is, is largely reactionary, you know. Um, at least the United States, not always, but, but largely, you know, we react to a situation, um, as opposed to, to creating a situation. Um, and, and Gary Nosner, this was a thing that, that bothered him, you know, like at one point he talks about, you know, he's talking to the tactical guys. He's like, you know, the more guns you bring, the more people are going to feel like they need to, they need to resist because it just creates kind of that feeling, um, which I thought was a really good point. And, um, there's, there's a lot of truth in that. And it, um, I feel like it creates a, an environment, the, the miniseries created an environment where I wasn't necessarily sympathetic to David Koresh. Um, you know, I don't necessarily find his position to be defensible, but it definitely, I think did a good job of, you know, kind of like making the point that the people in there were people, you know, and, um, whatever it was that they may have believed, they didn't necessarily deserve to burn alive um, in that building. The, the only not like it was, it was really good. I watched it in about a day and a half at six episodes comes out probably to somewhere around five, five hours of television. Um, I wish it had been longer. You know, I feel like they kind of, they kind of wave topped a lot of the issues and they could have dug in more and, and provided some more background. Um, but I definitely think for something that I was, I think 13 when it happened, 12 or 13 when it happened, um, and then two years later, you had the, the Oklahoma City bombing that was directly linked to that, at least according to, to Tim McVeigh. Um, you know, I mean, that that had a, it was a pretty big turning point in America, I think, culturally speaking, where it, it did a lot to, to emphasize certain certain groups of people to to feel a little bit more anti-government and to feel a little bit more like they had to to violently defend their beliefs against the government you know, just based on the way those, those two, you know, that and Ruby Ridge kind of shook out because they were very, very close to each other, um, time-wise. And so I think it's just, I think it's worth the watch. Um, like I said, it, you know, it's well acted. I think they do a really good job with the parts they're given. Um, you know, again, it's a little bit more surface than I would have liked it to have been, but if nothing else, you know, it, it, with things like this, you have to understand there's artistic license. Gary Nosner and um, David Thibodeau, again, whose books were, were a big part of, of what they developed the screenplay off of, also were both there as um, advisors when the when the show was filmed. Um, and they both talked about how, like, there's definitely some artistic license taken, but they feel that it is very true to how the events unfolded. But um, – it makes me want to know more about it. It makes me want to, to really read more into to what may have actually happened there as opposed to what it is that I remember from the news as a kid when that stuff was going on. Um, so again, I think if you have the time, it's, it's definitely worth the watch. It's something, you know, like if you're going to watch six hours of what the holy hell, it, uh, it's a better use of your time than Tiger King. And every bit is enjoyable. And I don't mean that to be a knock on people that have watched Tiger King because I watched that show and I'm, I'm low key obsessed with it because like, that's another thing where like 
things just got really out of hand really quick. And with, with Tiger King to actually watch that whole thing slowly implode um, as, as everybody there kind of came off the rails, I think that was kind of crazy. Um, and so, again, it's another show that I think is is worth watching. Um, you know, again, I think I think there's some things to be taken from that. I think it, it definitely piques the curiosity. What's the whistle makes you want to get into it? Um, I also started watching Happy this week, which uh, I'm not going to get into because I haven't finished it yet. So maybe next week we'll talk about Happy, but that's a show that I think um, had a very specific feel it was going for, and they nailed it. We'll talk more about that later. And then finally, just getting into like uh, things that, that might be coming down the pike. Um, Amazon released a trailer for The Boys Season 2, which I thought Season 1 was pretty great. I think it's an interesting thought exercise in what, uh, what, what, what would superheroes actually look like? Would they really all be that altruistic? You know, would they look more like Deadpool? Would you really see a lot more super villains, villains and only a couple of uh, superheroes? You know, um, I had a lot of fun with that. I, I thought it was great. Um, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed the casting on that. Uh, Carl Urbane, anything he's in, I'll watch it. I think he, like, absolutely nailed his part on that. Um, I'm going to try and get the right wife to rewatch it with me because she hasn't seen it yet so that we can enjoy season two when it came out. But the preview came out. Um, it looks like another great season. The only thing that horrifies me is it just says coming out in 2020, which makes me feel like maybe they haven't quite finished shooting it yet. Otherwise, we'd have gotten a release date. Um, I'm really hoping that uh, that it's going to have a release date soon, that we're going to get it. Because again, I'm worried about about new content, which, you know, um, I I enjoy television, I enjoy film, and and everything in between there. And there's a part of me that you know kind of wonders what my life's going to look like when when these things kind of dry up and go away. <sighs> All kind of a bummer, I know. Again, I'm kind of low key. I need sports to come back just so I can get upset about something completely irrational and dumb. Um. Or at least them to put some definitives out so I can yell about that. Who knows? But uh, that's kind of all I have this week. I think we're going to stick with Saturdays for now. Um, when football resumes, maybe maybe we'll push that to a different spot in the week. We didn't really have that many views this week um, in the live, so I guess there's a certain argument to be made that it doesn't really fucking matter when I do the live show. And uh, I haven't looked at my download numbers, but they probably suck too, so... There's, there's a strong argument to be made that I'm just uh, an old man yelling at clouds here. And this is for, for me to have something to do. But um, hopefully we do get some people listening. Hopefully somebody gets something out of this other than just me. But um, in the interim, I know that I probably got Mike for a couple more weeks before he gives up on us too. So... You can find us uh, on most podcast platforms. Um, please, you know, set us for set us for automatic downloads. Leave a review, leave a comment. Let me know how it's going because I can certainly be better at this. There's certainly lots of room for improvement. Um, we'll see how it goes. But uh, again, you can find us on Facebook at Field Goals to Fanboys. Um, the live stream will be captured there. You can go back and watch it. Um, you can download it, 
on a lot of different uh, podcast apps. And um, you can find me on Twitter at two for loafing at the number two F O R loafing. And uh, like I said, I appreciate your feedback, your comments, your thoughts, your comments, your concerns. And as always, Mike, thanks for listening. <laughs>